Hey, this is Kevin, the student pastor at Short Church Again. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We strive each week to bring relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To stay up to date with what's going on at the church or to support the mission financially, head over to scog.com or download our app. I hope you enjoy the message. Today we're talking about um, come to the table. We've been talking about come to the table for a while now and what happens uh, when Jesus eats with people. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus is eating with people, right? And so what does that mean? Why is it significant? Why is it important? It's incredibly important to the understanding of what Jesus is teaching in these moments, okay? It's incredibly, incredibly, incredibly important because when Jesus eats with somebody, it is understood the cultural norm of the day is I forgive you, I am at peace with you, I extend my peace to you, we're good. So if me and Isaiah are beefing, we got some problems, um, we're, we're, yeah, okay, can't even keep a straight face talking about that, we're having some issues, um, if I invite Isaiah over to the house, if I'm the one to take that step, what I am saying is I'm good and I want you to come. And by you, uh, accepting that invitation, you're saying, okay, I'm willing to put that down and come, come with you. Does that, does that make sense? Is that why you keep on turning down my dinner invitations? <laughs> okay. um, so that's what's happening. And so when Jesus goes to the home of a tax collector, what he's saying is, I'm not judging you in your terrible life choices. I'm going to have dinner with you. When he's eating at the table that the prostitute comes and starts anointing his feet, he's saying, I'm not going to tear you down right now. I'm going to lift you up. Do you, you see how that, that means something? That, that means a lot, especially in that culture, okay? And so today, we're going to talk about uh, this moment where someone's... I've never really thought about this scripture in this way before, but it really started to, to shake me um, this week as I explored it. We're going to be in John chapter 21, verse 10 to 17. John chapter 21. And so if you have a Bible, go ahead and put a finger there, but... Before we go there, I want to recap kind of what we've been talking with and come to the table. There's three things that Jesus does every single time he eats with somebody. The first is this. He, Jesus is gracious with his acceptance. He lavishes acceptance on people. Just a stupid amount of grace and acceptance on people. Where the Pharisees, are, and I would probably put myself in this category, a lot of times like, are you sure you know who you're eating with? Like, that's not really a good choice. That's not safe. You shouldn't do that. You know, what if they, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what they called you? You know, that would be what, where Jared's brain and heart goes. And Jesus is like, yeah, 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 I'm going to eat with them. And so you see how, how just, wow, that is scandalous. Because what he's saying is I'm extending shalom, the peace of God to them. You, you catching that? Okay. Uh, second thing, Jesus provides a roadmap for redemption. Jesus provides a roadmap for redemption. That he provides every time he comes in contact with people, when he eats with people, he accepts these people that have been doing some interesting things, and then he provides a way for their life to change. He doesn't just say, oh, yeah, well, there you are. You're a tax collector. You're basically a mafia don. Well, enjoy the meatballs. He doesn't do that. What he does is I see you, and here's a way in which your life can change. Okay, that's, that's what he does. Um, he does that over and over and over again, all throughout the meals with, uh, that, that Jesus has with people. And third is, Jesus shakes everyone's worldview. 
Jesus shakes everyone's worldview. I read this, and I, I really kind of struggled with the wording of this one because uh, how, how this works is, I thought Jesus shook the worldview of the person that he was offering a road map to redemption for, right? That makes sense. But if you pay attention to what's going on, is generally that person's like, okay, Jesus, all right. But the people around him are like, ah, can you, no, you can't do that, Jesus. That person, do you know who that person is? Like he shakes their worldview. And I love that about Jesus because he's the kind of guy who just walks in a room and throws a love grenade and poof, let's just watch, watch what happens, right? Um, and that's, oh, now I messed up everybody's uh, preconceived notions. Oh, did I do that? I'm sorry. That's what he does over and over and over and over and over again. So uh, today we're going to look at one of the most intimate um, meals in the Bible. One of the most intimate meals in the Bible. It's found in John chapter 21. And this meal is so intimate because it's between Jesus and the disciples and, and Peter is there after Jesus's death and resurrection. Okay, this is the third meal after this. This is the first meal that Peter's at um, he's missed the boat the first two times. Um, the first meal that Peter's at after he's denied Jesus, after all the stuff's gone down, after Jesus has been crucified. So this is a big deal, okay? And so um, in this moment, at this time, there is this, this, this intimacy. Because these are his guys, right? He's been spending the last three years with his guys, pouring every second. Um, the way in which rabbis worked, these guys had been following him along the desert roads in the cities. They've been doing, miming everything he's done. They probably learned every word that he said. He's been, they've been teaching what he's been teaching. They've just been doing everything that this guy has done. And so they're, they're intimately knowing Jesus, and Jesus has got to know them so exceedingly well as well. So this is one of these meals and the crowds aren't there. It's not all everybody there. It's just the guys that were in the fishing boat that night. And so we get this glimpse. We get this look of what it looks like to have this raw, raw experience with, with Jesus. And what it looks like for a bunch of guys, and specifically Peter, to deal with the rawness of this. So if you're unfamiliar with the story, I just want to recap. Jesus is arrested. Um, Jesus is arrested and uh, gets taken into the temple area, the temple mount, and is being beaten and questioned and all kinds of crazy stuff's going on there. And Peter is the only disciple to sneak away, and he goes and tries to listen and see what's happening to Jesus. And so he, the rest of them stay there. Uh, stay probably hiding away because they're scared for their own lives. And Peter runs there. Well, while Peter's there and he probably hears the crack of the whip, he hears the, the and the screaming that's going on and, and just everything that's happening to Jesus. He's, he's 30 yards away from him. He can hear the, what's going on. Peter has this inner drive to be near Jesus, to see what's going on, but also he gets scared and he, start, he denies Jesus three times. I don't, people are asking him, don't, aren't you a disciple? Nah, I, don't, I don't know the guy. I don't know what you're talking about. He does it three times. So he's got this, um, and you can hear in Peter as it goes on, his, his worldview is shaken. How he thought everything was going to happen is being broken. Because Peter, up until this point, he's got glimpses of who Jesus is. If you remember, Peter's the first one to yell out, 
Jesus, you're the Messiah. Like, who do people say I am? You're the man. You're the Messiah. You got this. That's, that's Peter. He's the first one to do that. So this moment of breaking of Jesus being, uh, being arrested is everything that Peter thought was going to happen is falling apart around him. Have you ever had preconceived notions of what you thought God was going to do and that didn't work out? And so your life just starts to go. And you start to have this disappointment with God. Can we be real? Like, it's okay to be disappointed with God. We're going to get to how do we resolve that. Okay, I don't want to leave you in disappointment with God. It's okay to be there. And that's a real thing. Peter is heartbroken. Peter, I was supposed to be a general in your army, Jesus. You got dead. Not working out well for me. He goes, you know what, Jesus, is happening right now? Uh, I'm scared for my life. You left me in charge of a bunch of teenage boys who I'm scared to death they're going to get killed at any moment. Thanks, Jesus. That's what's going on there. We don't necessarily read that into the scripture because we're like, we know the end of the story, right? We read it and we're like, oh, Peter's going to be awesome and this is the rock in which I'm going to build my church and he's going to be all this hunky-dory. It's going to be great. No, no, no. In this moment, at this time, Peter's like, what are you doing? You left me with these knuckleheads and we're all going to die. They're going to kill my mom. They're going to kill my wife. They're going to kill everybody that I ever met because of you, Jesus. Because you didn't do what I thought you were going to do. You were supposed to be the prince. You were supposed to be the Messiah. What are you doing? You ever wanted to yell at God like that? What are you doing, Jesus? Be nice if you showed up on time. We had a joke Wednesday night. Like, if Jesus was in a band, he would always be offbeat. <laughs> okay. <sighs> it's four, four. Jesus, come on. Get Jesus a click track. Because he's not on time with that. And they're like, this is the Peter. This is the rawness of Peter at this time in this moment. What are you doing, Jesus? And so where we find them is uh, Peter's kind of been coming in and out. He's, feel, he's feeling the weight of the responsibility of these, ki- of these kids, uh, we're going to call them. And he says, you know what, guys? I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. It's what I used to do before Jesus. I'm going fishing. And so he goes fishing. They leave Jerusalem. They go up to Sea of Galilee. They grab probably Peter's dad's uh, boat. Um, and they say, hey, Dad, I'm taking, the, I'm taking we've got to make some money, got to eat. Taking these yahoos and we're going to go fishing. That's the setting of this. Okay? John chapter 21, verse 10 to 17. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed back. Oh, sorry. What has happened is Peter's on the boat. This is crazy because this is what Peter does. Peter's on there. And I can't imagine what he's thinking at this time. Peter's on the boat and they're like, hey, there's a dude. Yeah, it's Jesus. You know, that's, that's him. There he is. He's been doing this come, you know, beam me up, uh, Scotty type thing going on. This is after his death. It's in, during his resurrection. And so he does this. He comes at certain points. And, and so they say, yep, that's Jesus on the shore. Man, I want to be with him. Man, I'm so mad at him. I'm so disappointed in him. And I'm so disappointed in myself. I denied him three times. Is he even going to want to talk to me? I don't even know if I want to talk to him. Can you, can you see that in this? So Peter, 
hikes up his skirt, or robes, whatever, you know, jumps in the water. He's probably the oldest and the biggest and the best fisherman out of all of them. So the rest of them are pulling in nets and like, thanks, you jerk. You keep on doing this and leaving us in the boat. This happens several times in the, in the scripture. I think he's just getting out of work. But anyway, Peter jumps into the, into the, bo- into the lake and runs up. And by the time he, like, I just imagine, I have, like, this movie script of this whole interaction going on in my head. I got, like, water coming out of Peter's beard. Just he's dripping, and he's just looking at Jesus. Having no clue what to say. And Jesus, being oh so helpful, because remember the timing thing, doesn't say anything to him. He doesn't. There's no words to anybody, uh, to him, except, hey, why don't you go bring me some of those fish? That's what you want to lead with? fish. He goes over and gets some fish, brings some of the fish he just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, but even so many that the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This is now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they were finished eating, so there's this meal. It's been going on. I've been eating bread, eating the fish, sitting around the campfire. It's breakfast. They've been fishing all night long, kind of looking at each other. Like this is, can you feel the awkward tension? What's going to happen? Is Jesus going to yell at Peter for denying him? Is Peter going to yell at Jesus? The lightning bolt's going to come down because you go, what is going to happen? I can just see like 14-year-old John like, because he's the one, John, you know, the youngest one is the one who wrote this gospel. He's like, oh, somebody's going to get it because that's what all 13-year-old little brother boys do, right? He's like, oh, what's going to happen? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So this awkward, intimate meal has just happened. So when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? I wish we had this on recording. I wish we could hear the pause or if he just jumped. Okay, Jesus, Jesus broke the ice. Like what is, what, what was the timing of that? Because the timing of that, it's like reading a text message. I don't know if you're mad at me or you're being sarcastic or what's going on. What is happening? Because we're just reading that. I wish I could just have that moment like, you know, I love you. And Jesus' response, does he let it sit for a long time or does he just come right back to it? I don't know. I think it's probably a slower cadenced moment. I have nothing biblical to go on that, but just the the weight of this moment, right? Simon said to John, do you love me more than these? Jesus, or yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon... Son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus, sorry, Peter is hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. 
And Jesus said, feed my sheep. There's a ton going on in just those few sentences. I want us to hear the gravity of what's happening. And I'm going to break down these three different restoration statements as well. um, Because I think they speak to you and to me. Because notice what is, there's a lot being said here in these few little sentences, but there's not much being said. Right? Jesus doesn't go in like, Peter, I know you denied me three times. And when you talk to this person, you talk to that person. And I forgive you of that, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no accounts being rectified. There's nothing going, hey, you know, you dealt with this, you dealt with that, boom. I know I just, you know, there's no admittance of fault. Like, I know you didn't get what I wanted to do, Peter. And I'm sorry about that. There's not what I hear you saying is, you know, he's not, he's not fighting fair here or anything like that. What he does is just change the whole subject to what is at the heart of the matter. Because he knows, he knows Peter's heart. He knows the frustration. He knows the impatience. He knows he didn't live up to what, what Peter wanted for him. And he just speaks into him, Peter, there's all this other junk, but do you love me? And so the disappointment and the rage and the frustration that Peter's feeling, he has to wrestle with that root question. He doesn't get, he, he's loaded for bear. You know how you are when you're in an argument and you had times to think about it? Yeah, but you didn't do this. That is thrown by the wayside because Jesus is asking the, the all-important question. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. I do love you. And Jesus doesn't go next to the next thing, do you love me this way? Or yeah, well, if you love me, then you should do this, 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 this. He just says this weird sentence, feed my lambs. And this continues two more times. For you and for me this morning, we've got to see what's going on here because it goes through the, the same paradigm that Jesus uses at all these different meals, right? The, acceptance, the extravagant, gracious uh, acceptance of Jesus. He has already prepared a meal for these guys. He's saying, Peter, I don't have a beef with you. I don't have a frustration with you. I don't have the shalom of God. I extend my peace to you. Come eat this food. I'm prepared for you. There's a lot being said even that they're eating together. Do you, you see that? That Peter's already being restored in Jesus' eyes just because he has prepared food for him. This miraculous catch, by the way, that Jesus probably was like, oh, they need to catch some fish. There we go. Because he likes to do that on the Sea of Galilee. And so even this, this walking up to the fire, like I get just, I don't know, I, I see this campfire. I see Jesus sitting there playing with some coals. And Peter's like, do I really want to sit down? Do I really want to partake in this? Do I really want to go back to this? I'm so mad and I'm so hurt and I'm so frustrated and I'm so disappointed in myself that I was the one that betrayed, that didn't, I denied Jesus three times. Like I'm so embarrassed to even be close to him, but he's invited me to eat. So he's working through all those different emotions. You see how that, that's just, this is a deep thing. And he comes and sit down. There's a reason why no one was talking during the fish and the bread. Right, because all of them are working through this. Jesus provides the roadmap for redemption. Now, 
he brings up the do you love me three times. Now, classically, these three things are to offset the three denials of, of Peter, right? Work in threes. Jesus likes to work in threes. Threes and sevens all day long, right? That's, that's why, um, classically, why, that, why that's there. There's also another layer of what we can extrapolate from this text, okay? As we go a little bit deeper here, I, I think it's interesting what, what Jesus uses to kind of prod the conversation. The first one is this, uh, Simon, which is, he's using Simon, his, his real name, not the nickname that Jesus gave him. There's, I think there's a little bit of like Simon, the true you right there. You, Simon, son of John, he he's, calls his mama and his daddy. says, hey, you, um, do you love me more than these? Meaning the other disciples. And so what that says to me is, do you love me more than you love your friends? Do you love me more than these guys that you feel responsible for? Do you love me more than the people that you're hurting for? Because you're so mad at me because I didn't provide for you all to be princes and kings and all this stuff in this earthly kingdom you wanted me to set up. But do you love me more than you love them? Because you're worried about their safety. You're worried about all those. Those are like, there's a lot implied in here. If you read, do you love me more than these? Do you see that? And so Peter has to ask the question, do I love these guys here more or do I love Jesus more? That's why I think there's probably a pretty good pause between these. He's thinking, I don't know, Jesus, I'm pretty upset with you right now. Do you, you see that? I don't know, Jesus, I'm, I'm struggling through this right now. And so then he, he reacts to that. You know I love you. All right. Then feed my sheep. Then go do what I've called you to do. Go do what you are uniquely created to do. It comes back again. Uh, Simon, son of John. Do you love me? And this one, I think he's kind of saying, he's bringing up his parents' name for a reason. Do you love me more than your parents? Do you love me more than your family? Another one, he's like, that's that's my mom. That's my dad. Do you love me more than them? And that's a hard question when we think about the frustration we have, the hurt that we have, the things that we're dealing with. Yeah, Jesus. I love you more than I love them. Because if we're really claiming that Jesus is, is Lord of our life, that we've given everything to him, that's what that means is I love you more than my friends. I love you more than my family. Feed my sheep. Finally, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And I love that John adds, Peter was hurt with this one. Why would Peter be like, okay, it's the third time. Now, there's some cultural stuff going on there. But the, this one I feel like he's asking, Peter, do you love me more than you love yourself? Because this is where Peter's hurt. His pride's hurt. His, 
He's got to give up all that rage he's been holding on to, all the disappointment in himself and all the disappointment he's been holding um, in, on himself and with Jesus. He's got to give all that up. If he's going to answer truthfully to the Son of God standing right in front of him, Peter, do you love me more than you love yourself? drive me nuts. I was loaded for bear. I had a great argument to go, uh, attack you with. I was going to be right. All the other disciples were going to see me put you in your place. And you asked this question. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know I love you. Then feed my lambs. Not go be my, my general. Not Go be a, a, a ruler somewhere. Feed my lambs. It's a calling specifically for Peter. Your job, Peter. Peter is going to become one of the pillars in which the whole church is built on. Peter, Paul, and James. Peter's what's going to be the central pillar. He's going to, in just a few short weeks, he's going to uh, give the first message. He's going to be the one that give the first Holy Spirit-empowered message in which thousands of people are saved. That's a drastically different Peter than we're seeing right here, right? It's a drastically different person that stands up and says, I don't care if you kill me tomorrow. Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. This restoration of Peter... Peter answering these hard questions, answering these hard questions with the disappointment that he has in Jesus is what enables him to be able to be in a headspace that he can go out on a limb and lead people to Jesus. Do you, do you see that? This is a turning point for him where he's going to go and be the, the central figure, the central uh, preacher, the one that walks up on the temple steps and the beggar says, hey, uh, give me some money. He's like, I don't have anything. Just get up and walk in Jesus' name. That's a drastically different Peter that we're seeing. Because this is a Peter that's come to grips with the wounds, that's come to grips with the disappointment, come to grips with the fact that, that he betrayed Jesus three times in denying him. It's a drastically different Peter, and that's a Peter that's, that's this is all happening within a five-week span. Jesus dies, and then five weeks later is when the Holy Spirit comes. So Jesus, or Peter is processing all of that in, that in those moments. And the major focal point of that is this restoration and his answering of the question. And it's the one that restores you as well. If you slow down enough, if you look Jesus in the eyes, I do a, um, one of the most powerful things I learned in college wasn't how to uh, read biblical Greek and not church history. It was a thought prayer process that um, Dr. Spaulding took us through on one day in the top of the seminary. He, had a, he turned off all the lights and he had to sit there and he said, I want you to imagine you are at the campfire with Jesus. And he took us through this long prayer meditation. It was the whole class. We all walked out of there like, what just happened? Because what is going on is Jesus, it, what, what Peter has to do is he has to align his brain with his heart, with his soul. To say, do I love the Lord your God with everything I am? Do I love God with more than I love these disciples and these crazy knuckleheads? Okay, sure. Yeah, I love them more than John because he smells funny. Do I love them more than my family? Ooh, now we're getting serious. Because I love my family. Most days. Then he asks, Peter, do you love me more than you love yourself? 
What is that? Can you define that for me? Because Jesus needs to cut through all the excuses. He needs to cut through all the disappointment. He needs to cut through all the hurt feelings. He's got to cut through all of that so Peter can become the man that God has called him to be, the one that will feed the sheep, the one that will feed the lambs, the one that will give these messages that will ignite Christianity, ignite the way, ignite and offer hope for humanity so in this restoration, he's not just letting it go by. He's, not, he's, he's circumventing the major questions and the valid heart issues that Peter has because he wants to speak to him. Look, buddy, I've got more for you. I've got better for you. And so I want you to know that all you have to do is answer the simple question, do you love me? And Peter's got to cut through it. It's the same question that we've got to deal with, we've got to struggle through, and we've got to look into Jesus's eyes as he asks us, do you love me? Yeah, but, 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 yeah, I love you. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know how you would answer that question. I don't know where your rage level is. I don't know where your disappointment level is. I know at different times in your life, you've probably had different frustrations with God. But at the end of the day, Jesus is cutting through all those things. He's like, listen, listen, listen. I know you have pain. I know you have hurt. And I see all of that. But the question of the day is this. At the baseline, do you love me? Do you love me more than these guys? Do you love me more than your family? And do you love me more than yourself? What's the answer to those questions? Because I've got something planned for you. I've got something amazing for you. You're going to become the Peter that we all know nowadays. You're going to be the guy that I get to speak through. and That thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people are going to get saved. You're going to open up this whole little Jewish Set to become something that changes the very foundations of the world. Before I can give you all that, before all that plan can live out in your life, I need you to ask, answer a simple question. Do you love me? And so I don't know what the plans that God has for you in your life. I don't know what he's got planned for you in your marriage and with your kids and with all the, your career and all the different stuff that you've got going on in your life. But I know before all that, the the plans that God has for you can be unleashed and unearthed and, and can blow up in your life, you've got to answer a simple, hard question. Do you love me? We're going to take communion this morning. And so I want, to t- I want you to kind of deal with that same thought process, that same prayer meditation that I, I dealt with um, 15 years ago in college. So as you take of this bread and as you take of this grape juice, as you sit down in your seat or if you want to prepare your heart where your seat is before you come up to get it, so I want you to wrestle with that question. I don't want you to wrestle with the excuses. I don't want you to wrestle with the frustration. I don't want you to, uh, to wrestle with all that because at the root of all of it is do you love me? 
And folks, I know that's at the root of it because I've lived it this week. Like this week. And I'll live it again next week. And I'll have to answer the question. Do you love me? And so where you're at in this moment, we all practice open communion here at Shore Church of God, which means if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are more than welcome to take communion with us this morning. It might be a little different for you than, than what you've experienced at other churches or in your past, and that's okay. Um, but what we're going to do is everyone's going to come. If you're on this side, you've got to walk around. I know, sorry. Steps. Your Fitbit will help you. Uh, walk around and then go back to your seat this way. Please try not to cut through the chairs. I can't guarantee your stepping safety with purses and legs and stuff. So please go around in a circle and get your elements. What I want you to do is get those elements whenever you are ready. If you want to go get those elements in your hand and then pray through the question, do you love me? Um, as you sit in your seat, that's fabulous. If you want to pray through that question before you get the elements, that is also okay. There's nothing magic or correct in that. What needs to be happening is you need to do the soul searching of ask, answering the question, do you love me? The band's going to play. Um, if this takes longer and you're soul searching longer than that, we've got a second song ready to go. We can do whatever we need to do, all right? So don't feel rushed in any way. Don't feel pressure in any way. What you need to do is do the soul work and the soul care on your heart um, here in this moment. So let me pray for these elements and then come and take. God, thank you so much for today. God, I... uh, as we explore what it means to answer the question, do you love me? God, I am, I'm struck by that. I'm struck by how many excuses it defeats. I'm struck by how much it cuts to the core of my frustration and my hurt. At the end of the day, Lord, yes, I do love you. As hard as it may be, I love you more than my friends, and I love you more than my family, and I love you more than myself. And when I get that out of order, all kinds of bad things happen. So, Lord, in this moment, as I think and as I pray for this congregation, as we would experience you on a deeper level, as we would be able to really self-examine ourselves and put ourselves in Peter's place and have you ask us the question, do you love me? Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. Thank you for who you are. God, I ask you to move in our hearts. And if anybody has the the question on their heart this morning, I know I love Jesus, but I don't know if he loves me. Know this. God, I know without a shadow of doubt you love us. That you sent your son to die on the cross for us, for all the stupid stuff we've done, for all the issues we've raised, that you would do it just for us. If we were the only human ever to live, you would have done it just for us that you want relationship with us. That your heart beats to restore us and draw us close to you. Thank you 
Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's teaching. If you have any questions or comments, shoot an email to office at scog.com. To continue to support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community for Christ, you can give online at scog.com or through the app. See you next week.